The book of Revelation, chapter 3, we're going to read about the, the church of Philadelphia. Of all the seven churches, we're not going to read all of them, but I do want to mention uh, particularly Philadelphia and Smyrna. Those were those that God was pleased with the works they were doing. Now, Jesus spoke to all the churches, I know thy works. Now, for many of the churches, that was a rebuke. It's kind of like a, a, a parent saying, I, I see what you're doing, and it's, they're in trouble, Tone. But there's also the same flip side of that is, I know thy works, but it's also seeing nobody else is seeing what's happening, but I see you. I did think this morning maybe I should just title it, I see you. It's what the Lord sees us, but I really, my heart just kept settling on the fact, strong where it counts. Strong where it counts this morning. Now I want to read to you the 8th verse of Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to back up in just a moment. And I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. I want you to notice this morning that the church of Philadelphia, they were known for a people that loved not just each other. There were no reverence. There were no fathers. It's called the place of brotherly love. Now, when we say brotherly love, they realize that everybody was considered equal. Strong where it counts. One of the greatest things that our society could ever do is to realize we are all equal in the eyes of God. We are all a sinful people that need a Savior. That's what every one of us are in need. And that's the open door that he set before that particular church. I begin to think about the missions. I begin to think about the churches that, that seemingly are small in number. But listen to these words. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Philadelphia was a very booming place. Here they were situated on a, a, a main thoroughfare where that, that population could be growing and there was a lot of people passing through. But here was the problem with Philadelphia. It was on a major fault line. And in 17 uh, AD, 17 AD, there was a major earthquake destroyed, uh, I don't know, several of the cities that we're talking about in Asia Minor. Several of those cities were destroyed. So what happened was... The people were afraid to move back into that place because what happens when you live on a fault line? You and I, right now, where we are situated, I don't know if you understand this, but you are sitting on a major fault line, very close to a major fault line. And I say that because people become fearful that something could happen again. But notice what the Lord is telling them. He said, I know you experienced some troubles. You see, when they went through this in the city of uh, Philadelphia, or excuse me, the church of uh, Philadelphia was going to be destroyed. That, that there was a time that the government would help them try to rebuild and they wanted to keep going. But notice what that church had more than anything else. They had and possessed love. What was the love for? It was not just for the love of money. It was not just for the love of power. It was not just for the love of, of, of any kind of accolade. But it was a love that people would have a relationship with Jesus. 
It's not a love for an economy. It's a love for the church. It's when the church is more important than a person or anything else. And you know what this morning? You want to talk about strong where it counts? There are people today that they may not have power. They may not have money. They may not have prestige. But they sure do love the Lord. I want to tell you folks, I love to be around people that the most important thing in their life is to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, all thy mind, and all thy soul. Do you love him with all that what you have? <clears throat> and here to the church of Philadelphia, he tells them, he said, I know you're, you're living in a place that, that, that is prone to earthquakes. He said, I know you're living in a place that there's a lot of uncertainty, but what I want you to know is that there is certainty in the foundation that he gives Strong where it counts this morning. How many churches today that it's all about how big they are or, or what they do or how long they are there, folks. I want to tell you the most important thing that a church can ever possess is a love for the Lord. That's the greatest thing that you can have. And that's why he tells us here that, that, that he desires uh, to, to, be, to be honored. And that's why he tells them that thou hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Let's back up if we can for just a second. To the seventh verse. And the angel of the church of Philadelphia, the smallest and the weakest of them all. But notice what the Lord said. Write these things, saith, he that is holy. In other words, let's separate him from everybody else. Do you believe this morning that there is one person above everybody else in the church? Jesus. Jesus. Folks, if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have one above everybody else. But I love it when a gathering of people believe that there is one superior to everybody else. The rest of us are brethren, the city of brotherly love, where we're all equal, but there is one superior. And you know who the superior being presence is this morning? Is the Holy Spirit of God. There is not my prompting or your prompting. It's not a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher, folks. We are all in that same idea. There is only one supreme. And Jesus said, He that is holy. There were a lot of false gods that they experienced. And Paul talked about that on his journey. When he talked about in his Corinthian letter, he talked about all the false gods that were out there. And Jesus said, aren't you glad to be around a group of people today that don't believe in all the false gods or all the misleadings? He said, they only believe in one way. And you know who that one way is? Jesus said these words. I am the way. There's nothing any sweeter than being around a group of people that believe that Jesus is the one and only way that you're going to get to heaven. Folks, that's what Philadelphia, that's what the church of Philadelphia had is that they had to believe not in the false gods or the false teachings or all these other things. He said they believed in the Holy One. He that is holy, he that is true. God said, I'm going to open doors. He said, I'm going to provide for you what you need. He said, these are going to be doors only I can give. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Hold that thought for just a second. I want to go back to the book of Isaiah. Chapter 22 for just a minute. Isaiah chapter 22. I want you to listen to this verse again. He that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Let's go back to Isaiah 22nd chapter. 
And in the 22nd verse, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. You know what key is, don't you? It's, it's, it's access to something. It means in control of something. Who's in control of this service? Who's in control of your lives? Listen to what John the Revelator is saying. He said, there was a church of Philadelphia that was surrounded by people that believed that the Holy Spirit of God should control their life. Folks, I want to say this, and it's probably not as straightforward a way as it sounds, but there are a lot of people living their lives out of control. Out of control because they do the things of the flesh, the things of the mind, the things of the, the, the ways of the world. But Jesus said, there is a group of people. He said, it's a small group of people. But they're strong where it counts. And John said, there's a group of people that believes that we are under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And Isaiah said, he, the, the key of the house of David, will I lay up on his shoulders. So shall he open and none shall shut. You know, there was a ruler by the name of Shebna that was coming along and said, you know, I want this office for myself. And God said, no. He said, you are not going to rule this nation. I'm going to rule this nation. You know, there are people today that think a church is an organization, that, that there are people in power and authority. I love to be amongst people that will amen when I say this. But folks, we're not under the authority of the power of a man. We're under the authority of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That is what our lead and our rule is. And that's what I love about the church of Philadelphia. All the other churches, Smyrna and Philadelphia were the only two churches that the Lord looked favorably upon. And isn't it amazing that they were strong where it counted? Isn't it amazing that God can look at us and say, I see you. I know where you are. I know what you're doing. I know everything about you. And Isaiah talks about how that, that in that, that how that there's keys that only he possesses. And that's why he says in that 8th chapter, excuse me, the 8th verse of Revelation chapter 3, he even talks about how that, um, that, that he has the keys, he has the power, and he blesses his church with an opportunity. Let me ask you this. Do you see opportunities in your life that God has given you to be a witness and a use for him? Well, preacher, there's, just not, there's not many opportunities. Again, strong where it counts. Uh, strong where it counts and things that are important. Notice what he talks about here is that, 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 that God said that you're not going to rule. And Isaiah, Shebna was going to be one that was going to rule. And Elikam, I believe it was, he said, no, I'm going to give the rule to him, folks. That is what Jesus is for you and for me. We're not ruled by a person that wants power and authority. We are ruling by one that's under the authority of God, and that is Jesus. In the third part of the Trinity, we are under God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But let's go back to Revelation chapter 3, and I want to read for just a minute. I've already read to you verse 7 and verse 8, but let's continue to read in verse 9. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. Now I want you to think about this. Just because the Lord loved the church of Philadelphia or the church of Philadelphia possessed love, does it mean they didn't have hurdles? Oh, how I wish, and I've told you this many Sundays, how I wish today that you could walk out those doors and I can tell you you're not going to have any hurdles. Listen to this. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan which say they are Jews and they're not. He says, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I loved thee. Folks, our battles are not against the Jews. 
Our battles are against the flesh. That's what Paul tells us. He said our battles are against the flesh. Could you imagine living your life and getting to a point in your life where the Lord looks at you and says, and that they would know that I have loved thee. There's nothing any greater than a person can walk into a place and just say that the Lord loves you. He has blessed you. Not bless you with numbers on a board. And don't get me wrong, I have, I have no concern about a number that we have. I'm not worried about any other number than I just simply want to say, Lord, may we love you and your cause more than anything else. Remember the eighth verse? He said, For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. And because of that, people are going to know that I love you. People wonder what's the strategies and how you make a church grow. I'll tell you how you do that, folks. You just love the Lord with all your heart. You just love Him. You just let love reign. You just let love be supreme in your life. And in that ninth verse, He said, People are going to know that I love you. But you know what? Listen to that tenth verse. These people face some hurdles and they face some, some obstacles are there. And, you know, they got tested because thou hast kept the word of my patience. In other words, look at what they had gone through. He said, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. The people of the Jews, they were out spreading all these lies and all these things that were wrong, saying, well, they must be doing something wrong because look how small they are. Look how, look how little they are, so they must be doing something wrong. You know, sometimes I look at these missions and I look at these churches that are all around the world and, and people are saying, well, those people just need to change and start living with the times. If the Lord was blessing them, they would have more and more and more. I cannot tell you how many times I go back to this eighth verse where he says, for thou hast a little strength. But you know, the Lord was not rebuking the church of Philadelphia. He was telling them that I love you and I care for you. And he gave them these promises in that ninth verse. He talks about how that I'm going to take care of your enemies. That's what he says in the ninth verse there. Uh, he says, behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. Um, and he says, they're not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. You know what he tells them? That he said, I'm going to protect you from your enemies. The 10th verse, notice what he says. The 10th verse says, I'm going to keep you from these tribulations and these, these trying times. For thou hast kept the word of my patience. I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation. He said, these are the things that God's going to do. But let's skip down to the 12th verse. What is God going to do for the church that loves and, and cares for him? Him that overcometh. I want you to back up for just a second. You remember how I told you that in 17 BC that this church, this, this many cities were destroyed by a major earthquake? In an earthquake, if a building has a strong enough foundation, it can withstand even the greatest shake. He said, if you love me, oh, it gets rich about the 12th verse. He that overcometh, he said, I will make him, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. 
In other words, I'm going to give you stability in your life. When everybody else is crumbling, you are going to stand. Glory, hallelujah, folks. Did you hear that? That the church of Philadelphia stood even in the most prone place that their building would crumble. He said, I'm going to give you a foundation that can withstand. When the rest of them are crumbling, you are still standing. What is that one thing a church needs? Love. Love. Brotherly love, where we're all equal. There are no fathers. There are no reverence. There's no doctors. There's no, no greater than the other. We are all equal. And guess what? From the pastor to the Sunday school teacher, the deacons, the piano players, the song leaders, to every person here, we are all equally sinners in the eyes of God that stood in need of a Savior. And that's what this small church did. They were faithful. You know what? How many of us just want to give up and give in because we see little something? Maybe, maybe we're trying to witness to somebody and we see very little evidence that they're listening or they're responding. I'll tell you this. If you remain faithful to God, He will be faithful to you. When everything else is crumbling, aren't you glad today to know that a true loving church is still standing? He said, and he shall go no more out. He said, but he's going to be able to stand. He said, you're going to find stability in this pillar. And it's going to be stability in what God is able to provide. Well, let's go back to the 8th verse. He says, I know thy works. Philadelphia, Smyrna, God was loving them. But he said, I know Thy works. Matthew chapter 6. Let me turn back for just a minute. Does the Lord know everything that we do? Absolutely. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6 for just a minute. You see, Pharisees, they thought, depending on the alms or whatever they could give, that they could find favor with God. You know what I found out about a true church that God loves? It's not about how much you give... How loud the preacher is, how long the preacher is, how nice of a piano that they may have, or it's not about what kind of all those things are great. Don't want to get you wrong. He said, but it's not about those things that are important. For Matthew 6 and verse 3 says this. But when thou dost give alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. You're not you're not doing things to be seen of men and applauded, saying, Oh, look what I've done. You're doing it because you want to honor the Lord. That thine alms may be in secret, and a father which seeth in secret shall in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Now, does it mean that nobody has to know anything that's going on? Go back to the early church in the book of Acts. When, when Barnabas sold his land, all the church knew what was going on. When you go back and you read that the church members, how they took all that their gifts and they laid them before the apostles' feet, it's not saying that we cannot do things to be seen of men, but it's that we are not after the applause of men. For what we've done. Listen to the church here that we're reading about. Uh, in, in the book of Revelation chapter 3. It's all about us getting to a point and a place in our life. Where we want the Lord to be honored. For he says I know thy works. Before he says I have set before thee an open door. Now sometimes when you're weak. You can't even open the door. <clears throat> you need somebody else to open the door for you don't you. God said, you do not need to depend on somebody else to give you an opportunity. I will give you those opportunities. I'm going to give you that opportunity. I have set before thee an open door. 
Folks, I'll tell you what God is doing today. God is looking more for a heart that has love than he is for the person that has the ability to open the door. If you love and you care and you, you want to be amongst the brothers more than anything else, God will do the door opening. But you know what Samson fell out that sometimes found out is even the strongest of people cannot go against the wishes of God. Sometimes the hardest of doors we can't open, but God can. Sometimes the easiest of doors we cannot open because of the one that's holding that door closed, and it's God. Aren't you glad that this morning to know this, that when you're strong where it matters, where you're strong where it counts, where you're strong in the important way of loving, that God said, I will open the door. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything. I'll take care of that. I see you standing at the door. He sees us. He knows us. And he said, because I see you, because I know where you're at, he said, I'll open the door. And I'll tell you this, folks, God's not going to open a door that there's not an opportunity on the other side. We're going to read about some of those here in just a minute in the book of 1 Corinthians. But God is telling us that he said, I'm going to open a door for you that no man can shut. For Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians, let me read for you for just a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. <coughs> Let's read in the 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians and in verse 8. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Listen to what Paul said. This is not very positive. It's not really negative either. He's not optimistic or pessimistic. It's real, real is what it is. For a great door and effectual is open unto me. But here's the flip side of that. And there are many adversaries. Folks, the reality is that when God opens a door, there's an opportunity, but there's also going to be opposition that's going to be there too. For when he uses the word great, Paul says, God is giving many opportunities. Folks, God had blessed Paul with many opportunities to spread the gospel. Let me ask you this. How many opportunities have you had to be a witness to people that you're around? All day, every day, God gives us chances and opportunities to be a witness, to tell others about what he's doing for us. And Paul said, I, I want to strike the iron while it's hot. I want to let people know about God, and, and I, don't want to, I don't want to hold back, and I don't want to be slack about these things. I want people to know, for he says, a great door and effectual is open unto me. But listen to where Paul was being realistic here. And there are many adversaries. You know what? Isn't it amazing how with opportunity comes opposition? Sometimes we think that if there's opposition, then God, that you're not in it. That's not at all what God's saying. What God is saying is, I'm going to see you through that. You love me, I'll open the door, I'll fight your battles, I'll help you along the way, he said. But you must depend on me. He said, for there are many adversaries. I believe that you and I today are fighting a great battle against a lot of people that's going on out there today. You know, what the, you know what the adversaries are? Adversaries are not just people that are opposing religion, but it's also people that are trying to change religion. That's also opposition that we face because, well, if you'll change this or you'll start doing this or let, let, let's get this Jesus stuff out and, and let's try to get more righteous living in there. If we try to remove these things, folks, there is nothing we need any more than Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we need any more than his presence to be amongst us. And that's why when Paul said that, and there are many adversaries. Do you remember what happened to Nehemiah in the fourth chapter of Nehemiah? Sambalot, Sambalot there, he came along and he was going to, 
He was going to try to stop him and discourage him. So you know what? Nehemiah said that I'm going to try to do the right thing, but just because I'm trying to do the right thing, there are people that's going to come along and they're going to try to oppose. When Sambalot could not discourage Nehemiah, he wanted to physically try to stop him. But you see, and you can read about in the, 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 the fourth chapter of the book of Nehemiah, you can see that, that God was going to get the wall rebuilt. And the reason was he was not going to allow his people to be discouraged to a point in a place where they could not uh, be able to accomplish the work that he had called them and asked them to do. So today when we look back at the book of Revelation, in that third chapter in the eighth verse, he said, not only do I know that works, and not only have I set before thee an open door and no man can shut it, but look at this part I wanted to really look at it today. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. I thank God today that people use what they have. What do we have here what do these missions around the world have? But they men always have numbers. Then how can they be faithful to God? Listen to what he said. Thou hast a little strength. In other words, there's a difference in no strength versus little strength. He said, thou hast a little strength. But you know what I think what happens to people that have little strength? They become dependent on somebody stronger. Folks, there's no better place than a church to get to than depend upon God to provide the things they cannot do for themselves. Yes, there's some things we can do for ourselves. You know what we could all do for ourselves this morning? We could get up and come to church, couldn't we? We all had that ability to get up and come to church. We had a little strength. But when you, when you get over that little strength and you let God use those little things, He said, oh, I'm going to bless you now. You know, a lot of people want to win the race, but they don't want to get to the start line. A lot of people want to, to build a mansion, but they don't want to, uh, to grab a hammer and a nail. You know, today God is giving us opportunities. He said, you don't have the complete strength, and you're aware of that. Do you know what a dangerous place is? For somebody not to know their weaknesses. You ever seen the elderly fall? They don't understand their weaknesses, so therefore their mind says they can do that. But when they go to do that, they can't do that no more. There's times I think I can do something. My mind says I can. My body says I cannot. But when you're weak and you know you're weak, then you must depend on somebody else to provide that. How many gatherings of people today, they've got this. We, God, I know you're busy with other things. We've got this, folks. May we never get to a place in our life that we don't need God. For we need Him in all things. He tells them, for thou hast a little strength. But here's what the important thing is. If you don't hear anything else I've said, listen to this. You have a little strength that He said, and has kept my word. Folks, today there's nothing more important than being obedient to the words of God. We discussed in Sunday school that whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And all that we do, do it for the glory of God. He said, you've abided by my word. He said, you've not denied my name. He said, because of that, because you are strong where it counts. He says, thou hast little strength and denied my word and it's not denied my name. And that's where he begins in the ninth verse. Behold, I will make them a synagogue of Satan. He talks about how he's going to give them the victory. For you and I today, we need the Lord to overcome the obstacles that we face in our life. I want to close in the book of Proverbs chapter 15. He said, you've not denied my name. 
He said, because of that, I'm going to help you overcome your enemies. Proverbs chapter 15. God knows everything that we face. And sometimes it seems like it's very little that we have. But God's going to protect us. I love this 16th and the 17th verse. Kind of, I felt the need to put them all together this morning or those two together this morning. Proverbs 15 and verse 16. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. In other words, why don't you do what everybody else has? There's more power in it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Do you remember what happened to David? Excuse me, Daniel. When Daniel showed his, his abilities that God had blessed him. And what happened is, is that the king and his rulers, they wanted to give him a, a meal that was denied by the Jews. And you know what he said? He said, give me cereal instead. You would think it's foolish for a man of David that had gotten a, a pretty high reputation. Daniel had gotten a reputation where he was obviously a man that God had seen favor upon. And when God looked at Daniel and Daniel and the Jews forbid a certain meal. And the king offered him all this fatted meat. And he said, no, just give me cereal. That doesn't seem like a lot. But it was in accordance to the laws of God or the Jewish law. And here's the thing today. How many of us would say, well, I know I'm not supposed to, but I sure would enjoy the fatted calf. I sure would enjoy this bountiful meal. He said, no. If God's word forbids it, I'd rather have my cereal and please God than I would to have the greatest things this world has to offer. Folks, every church needs to remember that today. That we had rather have cereal that's in accordance to the word of God than to have the greatest meal that the world can provide. Folks, it's all about us getting to that place that we can serve Him. For better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. God bless, Daniel. God's going to bless you and I today. And you know how I know that? God said, I'm going to give you things nobody else can give you. And that's why he tells them in the book of Revelation. Third chapter in the eighth verse. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. God bless you this morning because the most important thing is is that we're faithful where it's important. That we are strong where it counts. And that we are strengthened because of our love for each other and the Lord. God bless you this morning. I want us to, to get a song if we could.